You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. In the final part of the show, we get a view from Japan from John Byrne, Vice Chair of the Research at the Asian Development Bank Institute. Good morning, John. Good morning. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? Um, the Bank of Japan, I mean, it's been a week since the Bank of Japan tweaked the yield curve control policy at its last meeting. So what has been the general market reaction? Yes, I, I think the move by the Bank of Japan was to some degree unexpected, but not a total surprise. Um, so basically is allowing yields to fluctuate a little bit beyond the previous cap of 50 basis points up to a cap now of uh, around 1%. Um, although the reference rate still re- remains at 50 basis points, so it did not go you know, the full way in terms of uh, tweaking the policy. I think um, there has been some volatility in markets as a result of that, certainly if we look at the stock market. But I think that the, the general message would be that the Bank of Japan is perhaps concerned about um, market disruptions given the inflation outlook and possible pressure on the yield curve policy that would come as a result of that. So, I mean, we're looking at Japan now, seeing the inflation's up at around 3%, um, yet they're still, as you said, kind of maintaining that 0.5% policy. Is it even sustainable? Um, Something's got to give. Inflation either's got to come back down or they've got to start raising interest rates, surely, right? Yeah, I mean, as you know, inflation has been above 3% in Japan for quite some time now. Um, And there are frequent discussions around whether this level of inflation is sustainable um, relative to the target rate of inflation, which is at 2%. Now, at the last meeting, the Bank of Japan has raised its projection for inflation for 2023 up to 2.5%, but it's still projected to come down towards uh, 2% uh, in 2024. So I think that you know, when we look at the sustainability of inflation, a large um, factor to bear in mind will be what happens with nominal wages. And at the moment, of course, we're, we're seeing some movement in, in rises in, in nominal wages, um, and that will really determine whether we see, uh, you know, eventual normalisation of, of monetary policy uh, in Japan, which, you know, it's not likely to occur during 2023, but... There could be a gradual shift towards that in 2024 and 2025. So with these slight nominal wage growth and all, are consumers starting to get more confident in Japan? Um, Because you've got a bit of a battle here. Savers, which they generally are, are probably feeling poorer over the fact inflation is much more than what they're getting in the bank. But is it being offset by some of the wage growth? Yeah, it's a good point. I think... um, you know, domestic demand in Japan has remained very resilient in spite of what we've seen with inflation and the lower growth that we've seen in nominal wages. Um, so, you know, domestic demand has been uh, one of the, the positives, I would say, in that regard. And, of course, that is helped to some degree by accommodation in, in the monetary policy stance, which has been prevailing for quite some time now, uh, many years. Um, I think the biggest risks going forward um, would not be really on the domestic demand side, although more can be done there. It would really be on uh, external demand. And, um, you know, as 
as you're well aware, the external environment is quite fragile at the moment um, in terms of global growth. And, and this is really impacting the external uh, demand component of growth from Japan. Well, when you talk about external demands, I mean, you look at China, obviously, there's big problems over there, but the West seems to be okay. Does the China impact play, uh, play a lot more on Japan than, say, what's going on in the West? Well, I think that, you know, the export uh, component of growth in general is uh, something that is a concern in Japan. Certainly, with regard to China, the situation with regard to China's growth is certainly affecting uh, exports that would be coming from Japan. But also, I would say it's more at, at the global level. Um, you know, even though we've seen a depreciation in the yen um, essentially for for many months now, and in particular in the period since uh, July, we don't see a pickup in exports as a result of that, which we would expect in a, in a normal state of the world. And one of the reasons for that, of course, is because we have a weaker external environment. And also a large component of uh, Japan's supply chain is actually outsourced uh, to other parts of, of the world. Um, and this affects the, the usual pass-through that we would see uh, coming from the exchange rates to net exports. So certainly, yeah, in summary, I think that uh, the, the weaker growth outlook for China is dampening the export um, potential that Japan um, could, um, could, could, could have. But also at the global level, it's, it's something to, to bear in mind. But on the flip side of that weekend, you, from what I'm reading, there seems to be quite a big tourism boom. Obviously, people take advantage of that weekend and finding you know, Japan a great place to go. So that surely is having some sort of boost on the Japanese economy just from the, from the tourism boom, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, there's been a large influx of, of tourists uh, since the COVID situation has been completely downgraded since May. I think um, so. I think um, the weekend is certainly a factor behind that. Uh, the weekend is also a factor behind the uptick that we've seen in the stock market uh, in recent months in Japan, as well as, um, you know, inward investment which is, uh, you know, strong uh, during 2023 in Japan. And the weekend is, is a, a factor that's uh, contributing to that as well. Um, of course, you know, tourism is not going to um, solve all of the problems for growth, but it's certainly uh, one of the factors that is helping to stimulate the uh, service sector in Japan, for example, um, helping with employment and obviously... Uh, boosting the economy in that regard. So what are the main risks as we look out to the, for the rest of the year and going into 2024? What should people be wary of? Yeah, well, as I said, um, you know, domestic demand has remained very resilient in spite of the, you know, sh shocks that we've experienced over the past couple of years. Um, this has been helped, of course, by the monetary policy stance, which has supported consumption and investment during this period. So I think that the risk to the outlook will be uh, largely coming from the external side. Um, I think, you know, the U.S. and, and well, certainly the U.S. is reaching the end of its uh, monetary policy tightening cycle. And this, this will reduce the pressure on, on the yen. I think if we, 
eventually see a, a narrowing in those yield differentials. Um, and also this points towards an uptick in, in global growth, um, you know, as the, the, the Fed would uh, cease its uh, aggression in monetary policy timing. So this will be positive for growth in Japan. Other risks relate, of course, to um, an uptick in geopolitical tensions, which, of course, would affect uh, the global economy. And Japan would, of course, not be excluded from that. Um, and one must also remember, in the case of Japan, there are um, significant uh, fiscal sustainability risks, which would come with uh, a tightening in any tightening in monetary policy that would materialise over the next few years. Um, this, of course, has not been a feature of discussion going back for many years because, of course, uh, monetary policy has been uh, very accommodative and interest rates have been very low. But any uh, significant increase in interest rates in Japan would have significant and substantial uh, fiscal uh, implications given the size of the debt-to-GDP ratio, which is over 250%. All right. Well, that's all we have time for, I'm afraid. Uh, thank you very much for coming on. That was John Byrne, Vice Chair of Research at the Asian Development Bank Institute.